Before we get started in the Fly Racing Racer X Buds Creek review, thanks to the folks at Racetech. Pulp 22 is the code to save with Racetech. Motor work, suspension work, they can do it all. And you can save by telling them you listen to Pulp and you want the Pulp code. So get your motor rebuilt. Get some CNC porting done on your heads. Get your suspension service, uh, seals, bushings, oil, that kind of stuff. Get the right spring right. Get suspension parts, all of it going on and save save with Pulp 22 code. So thanks to the folks at Racetech. Privateer proven. Racetech service centers all across America. Also, All Balls Racing, they are ready for you. And uh, you want to restore your bike, you want to repair your bike, you want to add performance, whether it's hot cams, whether it's hot rods, whether it's vertex pistons, pivot works, whatever it is, vintage bike stuff, they've got all the parts you need. Allballsracing.com, go there, check it out, and uh, place an order. You'll see all the lines that they carry. They got garage uh, uh, buddy uh, bike in a box things that you can just simply buy one of those. Rebuild the whole motorcycle, front to back, using the uh, parts from allballsracing.com. Thanks to those guys. Appreciate it. Check out the website. All right, let's get into the Bud's Creek Review. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continuing gracious support of our sponsors, we're thriving at over 1,800 podcasts delivered with over 20 million downloads. Click the Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's the voice bringing it all to you, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, Bud's Creek Review. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Thanks to the folks that make this thing happen, including the folks at Fly Racing. Uh, 2023, they are charging into it with improvements in both style and performance, led by the industry-leading Formula Helmet featuring Rion technology. Fly Racing has been synonymous with innovation and outside-the-box thinking. Fly Racing has the widest product range in the sport, ensuring you can find exactly what you're looking for. At Fly Racing USA on social media, 2023 stuff is out. Get it at motorsport.com. Get it at your local dealer. Uh, thank you to those guys for coming on board, as well as Maxxis Tires, MXSTs developed by Jeremy McGrath, used by SGB Honda guys this year in uh, Supercross, Kay Clayson, Alex Ray, and the such. Thanks to Maxxis for coming on board. Great mountain bike tires, light truck tires as well. Light truck tires as well. Uh, I love the Minions for the uh, mountain bike, so please check that out. Maxxis.com for more information and Renthal.com. Made over in the UK. More championships and all the other brands combined. Thank you to the folks at Renthal. Grips, sprockets, chains, bars of all sorts and sizes, and uh, cloth bar pads coming out now for us vintage guys. So please check that out. Renthal.com. Uh, first up on the uh, show, coming to you live from uh, Disney World, where somehow he is Agreed to exchange money for goods and services at Disney World. He's the voice of Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. It's Jason Wygant. Yeah, very expensive. How? Very expensive. Un- <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. 
unbelievable that you're, yeah, you're well, taking the family there. Well, I mean, a couple things here. First of all, we are in the area every year, Daytona time, and they have two to three free days between the weekends, and I still don't do it, even though we're literally right down the road. Um, big thanks to uh, Kellen Brower for his wife for getting me uh, discounts on hotels because she actually works for Disney proper in the corporate uh, finance department. And number three, uh, my wife drove eight hours, well, 12 when you add it all up, with two kids on Saturday while I was at Bud's Creek because I'm not paying for plane tickets. So I've done my best here, boys. Unbelievable. Also on the line from Fly Racing, flyracing.com, it's Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Not too much. Just uh, calming down from the arguing that has ensued this morning over this podcast. Well, it's 2 o'clock Eastern time. We just can't do it until now. You couldn't do it last night. And you know who gets the heat? I get the heat. I got to deal with these listeners. You don't think that we get No, I think we all do. No, I get the heat. Trust me. Uh, Okay, okay, right. Oh, 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 okay. You you get none. Got it, right. No, I get all of it. (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, All of it. uh, uh, 95% of it. Steve, you know there are more people in this world than you, right? Uh, Yeah, and I'm aware. I'm aware. Okay, okay. So... Uh, neither one of you seem to, ha- you know, have the drive and ambition to do it, um, or you're busy with family or whatever, and I have to deal with it. So, but we're here, we're doing it, and we just did Disneyland with a lot of background noise. Yeah, there's music right now. Yeah. Are you walking in the park? No, I'm walking out. Okay. The idea is that when we get to the heart of this discussion, and not this part, uh, that we'll have uh, silence. Okay, all right, the heart of the discussion. Uh, All right, well, uh, JS7 in the booth. Now, he missed the monster show on Friday, and and there's no doubt there were rumblings of perhaps, you know, maybe there were rumblings of James, you know, maybe not being fully in, but oh, no, when it came time for the TV show, he was there, he loved it, he did a good job, Weech. I actually apologize saying the heart of the show would be later. We discussed the racing. It is true. The heart of the show is actually right now. Let's talk Stu. We were a little worried. We know that Stu's previous track record was not the most reliable for showing up for appointments. Uh, and we, we want to believe this is a whole new Stu. He does do his Bubble World Pod pretty consistently every week, which I feel is a big step. But then we got word out on Friday that either a flight was canceled or he missed it. I don't even know. And I was getting worried. I said, JT, you and I are going to have to carry a one-hour-long pre-race show, the two of us. JT shrugged it off like it, you know, it was like a, a two-pound barbell to him. I mean, it means nothing to us. We can handle JT, can we handle an hour? Is that a problem? Uh, I can handle an hour under, most, under the influence of most substances. Okay. okay. Right now, JT's mad. But under normal circumstances, we're fine. Uh, and then, Jay, uh, then James showed up on Saturday. And I'll tell you what. A, he was awesome. But most importantly, B, he loved it. Even at the end of the day, even after five and a half hours, yeah. he loved it. He wants more, America. He wants more. Yeah, he was great. I texted with him. He wants to do more. Yep. Yeah, he said he'll do it yep. again. He had a great time. I made, I made mention like it's a lot of work, and he didn't even care. Nope. All into it. Nope. Yep. He was pumped the whole time. Yep. Stu loves nicknames. He's big on the nicknames. That's, that's one of the one of my takeaways. Well, he's got, I don't know how many people, it's funny, the, the media world is so fragmented now. These are all nicknames that he coins weekly on his show, but you can tell there's a lot of people on Twitter that don't say listen to that. So they're like, that was awesome, German chocolate and Mr. Coffee. 
those are his characters that he's created on his show. Uh, so he was just doing a little show marketing on the other show. Um, but five and a half hours is a long time. JT, you know this. Steve thinks you shouldn't even be doing the job you're doing. And when they leave at the end of the day and they want to do more, they're not like, screw this. That speaks volumes. He, uh, but, but also, Weech, uh, anything that I'm doing or not doing, Steve thinks I should be doing the opposite. That, so, <laughs> true. Because it, true. it doesn't really matter. I should be a life coach. Um, oh, God. And, and, uh, and Weech, uh, he almost caused the 450 LCQ to be held up? Yes. Yeah, so, okay, I know we've kind of bashed on Stu for hiding for five years, thinking that maybe wasn't the best move. So maybe during the five years it wasn't. But I'm telling you what, he's created such a pent-up demand for Stu. <laughs> I mean, it was, it's like if, I'm, if, if Mickey comes walking to the park right now and just gets mobbed for autographs, I don't think he's got anything on Stu. And it, he went to the pits. I was surprised. He's like, I'm going to go talk to Malcolm. And I'm just like, I can't believe he's not. He's like, he's hiding in the TV truck all day. Mm-hmm. He tried to be a regular guy and walked to the pits. He got mobbed so bad that the pits then became jammed. And then the 250 bikes couldn't get around the mob. And uh, Kerry Joe uh, Russell had to get James and be like, you can sign autographs, but please move over here. We cannot get the bikes to the gate because of you. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's great. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he was into it. Did he ever, did he say like, uh, oh, it's a lot of work? Or did he ever, like, was he just, was he down to do everything? Down to do everything. I mean, I think, I think everybody leaves with a huge respect for the job, you know, that there's literally no break. It's four straight hours. You have to be on the whole time. You maybe can run out and pee once or twice, and that's about it. You get hungry. You get thirsty. But then if you drink too much, you have to pee more, and you can't. All those little things, it's definitely a lot. But the bottom line is he, he left feeling like he liked it and not like, dude, that's yeah. too much. I would like to do one hour, not, yeah. not four. And he kind of hinted to me a little bit that, like, okay, he doesn't want to race anymore, obviously. Um but I think maybe the Showtime nerves, you know, gave him a little bit of that feeling that uh, a lot of these guys struggle, like, say, Dunch. Like, that's what they're all trying to find, right? How do I replace that adrenaline surge? Yeah. And I, he was kind of – he's learning as he goes, but I think what he's hinting to me is that maybe this is that in a way. Yeah. Yeah, he's lost some weight a little bit, right? He looks good. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he, he definitely he, he's, he's ready to go. Um, straight rhythm? Yeah. Uh, any, oh, come any, on now. Anything? You know what's funny, though, JT? So Jet was – Jet on the podium said, you know, hey, James, I was scrubbing for you, and hope, and he put something on social media about it and all of that. And, like, Jet's pretty young. It's 2022. All three of us on the line right here, we saw James the whole career. We saw everything, the good, the bad, mm-hmm. all of it. And then you think about it, you're like, geez, Jet's never really seen Stu, right? He – He's seen videos and he knows about them, but like he, you know, these, what we're getting. I saw media guys getting their photo with him, with James, and then I was like, you know, oh yeah, like these guys don't just know the myth of Stu. It's crazy. Well, think about think about this. Like Jet wasn't born when Stu turned pro, right? He wasn't even born. I'm not saying like okay, oh my you're God. too old to really have a memory. Like there, there's a difference, right? It's like okay, yeah, I, I was like four. I don't really remember that. Yes, I knew who it was, whatever. But I don't have memories. Jet was not born. He was not alive when yeah. these things happened. Like, the initial scrub in 03, Jet would have just been being born. Like, that summer, I believe, he would have been born. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just crazy when you put it in that perspective. Yep, yep. And so these guys, you know, they, they look at Stu with reverence, as they should, or whatever. He's a bad dude, right? 
Um, but it's just funny to think like, yeah, they don't really know Stu. They don't. They weren't around. I mean, at least yeah. at least Stu raced for so long. You know, you have you have iconic races that you could even look back, like the Toronto twenty fourteen. Was that twenty fourteen race? Yeah, where he came from the back, like. At least Jet would have been 10 or 11 mm-hmm. then. You know what I mean? So you have something to go off of. And if you're any sort of historian, if you watch old races, you would go back and see all the crazy stuff with Carmichael and all that stuff. But it's just a sign of how old we're getting. It's yeah. really yeah, it's, depressing. It's super depressing. Absolutely, right? But, yeah, a lot of these guys are just like, yes, yeah, dude, I've heard of them. Meanwhile, we, yeah. were, we were there. We were there. So, well, yeah. you, know what, yeah. you know what it reminds yeah. me of? When I, go, when I go to Europe and uh, Paul Malin is, is on the level of you guys as far as, like, motocross history, four GPs. Like, you just can recall super old races, and this guy was the champion of this, and he was in the middle of a team change, and he was going from a dual shock to a mono shock, and all these things. I was like, Jesus, Paul. But – he goes off on stuff like that, and I'm like, yeah, man, I don't. I was like just being born or just getting into racing then. Like, I don't even know any of this stuff, and that's how it is for now. Like, I talk about if we talk about McGrath or something in their prime, they're like, dude, that was like ten years before I was born. You're like, oh yeah. my god. Yeah, we had uh, Levi Kitchen on the Pulp Show a while ago, and he was like, yeah, I don't really remember Carmichael too much, and I'm just like, oh wow, unbelievable. Oh it's wow, yeah, yeah, just you know. Anyways, yeah. So, yeah, good to have him there. Good to have him around. That's cool. Uh, hope he comes back. I, yeah. I have to say I was I was very impressed with how engaged he was. Um, I mean, it's Stu, right? Like, he, fly, he still flies private. He's probably made, I would say, you know, if not the most money ever, maybe Ricky made more, but probably the second most money that's ever been made in this sport as far as riders go. Like, he's he's – He's always been aloof. Um, I don't think it's like an attitude aloof, but I, I think everybody would agree. Like, it, there weren't very many people that got close to Stu. Um, he was pretty awesome this weekend, like engaging and personable and, and talkative. And I mean, it, ever since the opening production phone call on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever Tuesday, I guess, he, I mean, he was the one that was talking the most. And, and I don't think most people would expect that out of him. Um, if you've been around him for any length of time in the past, that to me that would be a little bit surprising. Uh, he looks he looks to my stuff as inspiration for his shows. So, you know, just saying. That's where we're at with Stu. Yeah, we don't have any comment for obvious reasons. He, he, he did an awesome job. He did an awesome job, by the way. I got I can't accentuate that enough. For being a rookie, I thought stuff he had to say is analysis. Uh, we'll get into the tire selection and all that stuff, which he picked up on immediately. He could see it with Tomac. That was excellent as well. I, so I think what we're getting at here is I don't think we ever thought he wouldn't have the knowledge to do this job. It's just would he enjoy it and would he dig in deep enough yeah. to want to do it. And now that you know that, this is like a perfect combination. Yeah, he, he's into it. You listen to his pods, his recap pods. I don't hit every one, but he's into it. He knows what's going on. He's got a lot of opinions. And, and right or wrong, I don't always agree with his opinions, but that's fine. Like, whatever. He, you know, he comes from a place where he certainly knows what he's talking about. So, uh, yeah, good, good to have him there. That was cool. Him, talk, him talking about the, the Yamaha and the Honda setups, like, you know, with uh, Sexton running lower in the rear and, all, like, all that stuff was – I thought it was really, really insightful. And, I mean, this is all I've been around my entire life, right? So a lot of that stuff, just kind of numb to it. I don't really – I just heard – I've heard so much and talked about it for so many years nonstop. I don't – it's just another day. But I actually found it pretty revealing. Um, I thought it was really good. And especially to share that with an audience that may not – have as much exposure to that stuff or understand why a bike would be better or worse or 
they don't get it why Honda's won six motos in a row at Unadilla. Like they don't have any understanding or, or comprehension of why that would be. Um, and it's kind of like when I watch MotoGP every time I'm like, Oh, okay, well that's why that bike has that characteristic and this and that it's, it's the same thing. But I thought he did a really good job of explaining that and putting it in layman's terms where people could understand it. Maybe if they didn't before. Well, we knew uh, Tomek and Sexton were just going to go one-two the rest of the way, and it was just going to be three-point swings. And either way, right, right, Weege? That's what we knew. Yes, uh, this is why you don't count the points, right? We could have gone with a one-one-two-two scenario math, and it never happened. I kind of thought it would this time, but even still, it did not. Um, I did not have them getting beat on the bingo card for any of the three races, let alone this very first of the three. Twelve straight motos, they had gone one-two. In. Wow. <laughs> 12 wow. straight motos. Wow. And, and then they come out this weekend, and Eli has a you know a, a 10-point lead after Moto 1 and looking great, right, looking like this could happen, and then he gets the bad start. Second moto, Buds is a pretty start-dependent track. He, he kind of – it was hot, too. Uh, couldn't do much. Got fifth. Sexton rode to the occasion despite even crashing and giving the lead away and then comes back and does what he does. I think both of them – uh, JT have, I mean, they're both not stoked, right? One five seven one. Mm-hmm. They're both not stoked, but in a way, they can be like, "Hey, it was a good race, Eli, because I got the red plate and I just got to do what I could do, and I will win this championship." And you know, I dominated that first moto. Sexton, because hey, I had so much adversity. I mean, he crashed twice in practice. Uh, you know, crash in the in, the, in the, twice in the first moto, and then he said, "Well." I even crashed in the, in the second moto, still won, still crushed everybody. And he's like, all I got to do is not make mistakes, and I, and I can take this thing back. Like, somehow I think both guys can leave Bud's Creek with some sort of positivity. Yeah, I don't, I don't think much changed, to be honest. For all that drama, chaos, racing, you know, wins and losses, and all, everything that you could ask for, crashes and everything, I don't think much really changed in their, their minds. You know, two points changed hands, a red plate switched switch colors, you know, to, from one bike to the other. But if you, much like you're saying, if you have a narrative in your mind of what needs to happen for you to become champion, I don't think anything changed, right? For Eli, it's just just execute the game plan, right? Get a good start and then do your thing. And then if you're Sexton, it's the same narrative that's been going on. Don't crash. Don't make the key mistake. And you're the best guy. Um, and I mean, that's exactly what played out again. Eli doesn't get to start in the second one. He doesn't win. He wasn't able to move forward. Um, and then Sexton made the key mistake in the first one. Otherwise he wins. Now the question is, and I wasn't about to ask him this because I'm still reeling from the last time I did in the second moto was Tomac's inability to pass. Did it have anything to do with the tire choice? And he, he would probably say no. He and said, no. Yeah. Me he, again. He, 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 I know. No, he told me, no. I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I get it, right? I understand, but that doesn't mean that he is well, self-analyzing the situation correctly either. That doesn't mean that he's right to believe uh, that. I he see. didn't look—he didn't look great in the second moto to me. No, well, honestly, he's a bad dude. He's gnarly, but it was hot. It was really hot. A lot of it riders like told 80, me that. I know it was hot, but it was like eighty-five. Right? Well, it wasn't. It hum- wasn't humidity matters too. I know. I know. I, I get it, but he didn't look. He didn't look sharp to me in the second moto. Like, he didn't look like he had aggression. Um, And when I watch him, it's the same thing that I saw at Millville. 
and I don't back away from him, even though even if I'm wrong, that's okay. I, it's the same things when I see in his riding is he can't be aggressive in certain sections of the racetrack because I don't think the tire is inspiring any confidence in his riding. Well, and it's just what I see. I that's why I asked him at Millville. I can see him like half. I don't want to say half throttle, but like being gentle with throttle application and kind of like cruising through the mid part of the corner where I'm watching other guys and I'm standing alongside the track, right? I'm watching other guys in the same section of the track and I'm, I can see them higher RPM, different body position and, and being more aggressive where I see him having, having to be a little bit more tempered. And that's why I say that. And that's why I'm coming back to it, even though he probably doesn't agree. Like, I know he doesn't agree. I don't think when the track gets that hard, especially if he doesn't get a good start, I think he's more doing more harm than good. So if you get a good start and you win, awesome. But if you don't get a good start, you've now put yourself at a disadvantage on a track that's no longer as conducive to that tire as it was two hours prior. And I just, I'm not saying it's going to be the, the difference in a championship or not. I just, for him to be so absolutely closed off to that it could be anything. I don't know that that's right because everybody else, if you talk to everybody else on the starting line and I've asked them, they're like, yeah, the track's too hard. Like I asked Roxanne, I asked other guys in practice and they're all just like, track's going to be too hard. I can't. It, it, like if I want to get aggressive, I can't like the, the track won't allow me to. So he's the only one that's like, nope, 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 what? nope, nope. And I don't, I mean, he's the one that's got to live and die with that decision. I just think there's more to it than just immediately shutting it down. Well, a couple things. RJ credited the paddle tire for his win to me. Yep. Uh, and also. Yeah, he's also on a 250. Yeah, true. It's a little bit different. Uh, I was doing some live announcing and um, I was mentioning the tire choices and as key to starts and sacrificing on the other parts of the track. And Dunlop's Brock Glover told me. In his opinion, the paddle tire gives up nothing as opposed to the regular tire on any other parts of the track. So, well, uh, so there's that. Everybody else I know, I know. not use it. I'm, so. I'm laughing because yeah. I'm like, yeah, come yeah. on, Brock. Done off to the core, right? Yeah. yeah, come on, Brock. There's a reason why guys you know, don't use it and look at it. And Everyone all of knows it's better on the start. Yes. Everyone, yeah. right? And yeah. if you're not going to use it, then clearly there's some sort of reason. Y- yeah, for sure. So I just had to find that funny because Brock was correcting me after my live announcing. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't really have time to get into this. But I do not believe the scoop tire is perfect everywhere. I just don't. Uh, so, Weech, does it does it change your um, thoughts on this title chase? Does Buds change your thoughts? Like, Tomac, red plate now and – we're, we're good. No, no, no. I'm like JT. I, I don't. I could see how either guy, and this is what their job is, right? Can convince themselves that it was. If you're a Tomac or in his camp, you can convince yourself it was better for him. And if you're Chase Sexton, you could do the exact same thing. I don't think there's really data either way. I really thought in the first moto that was it. It was the mistake we were waiting for, uh, and I didn't think Tomac was going to go and get beat in the second moto and give any of those points back. You know, I really thought uh, we could see Tomac roll out of here with a one-one. Because, dude. Tomac's first lap in the first moto was insane. And that's not normally what we see from him, right? I'm like, oh, yeah. he is out to make a statement. He's out to one-one it. And if he leaves here with a 15-point lead with four motos to go and that kind of momentum, it's done. Um, so I thought it was over. So I am impressed that, that somehow Sexton was able to get almost all those points back in the second moto mm-hmm. uh, and salvage it. But it was, uh, yeah, it's a wash, and- uh, I think. And again, Sexton fell in the Moto Two. Like he fell too. Still oh got God, up. Caught right. Him. I just got them back. Just see you later. Yeah. Like, like. Oh well. Oh, I got. I lost the lead. I fell. Oh yeah. Watch this. I need that back. I need that spot back. Um, 
But Jason Anderson pulls a Tim Ferry. Two, hey, two. Uh, Steve, you, you interviewed uh, Sexton after the race, right? I did, yeah. Did he say he hit neutral, and that's why he did that first front mm-hmm. flip? That was in practice, I believe. He was talking about his practice one. Oh, okay, good. So the guy that called me out on Twitter and saying I was wrong, even though that wasn't me saying that, it was James Stewart, who I feel is qualified to mm-hmm. say that. I be- His theory was that he knew that Tomek had the scoop tire, yep. and he was still got a start on him. He still started ahead of him. Tomac goes by him, yep. and then he's like, oh, crap, and then loses his concentration for a second, and that's why he ends up going down. And then some fans said, no, Sexton's because it, it's because he hit neutral, which to me would be like, well, that is making a mistake. Um, but anyway, what do you guys think? JT, do you agree with that, that possibly that's the mental side of Tomac's blowing by him on the first lap, and for a moment he reacts and loses his focus, and he's on the ground. He, that's with Stu's theory, at least. Yeah, yeah, I was listening to you guys, and uh, I'm, I'm sure it did play a part, right? I'm, I'm sure he raised his level of urgency, which could have then forced a mistake. Um, but it's, I mean, it's hard to know exactly for sure. But when I was listening, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's conceivable. You know, he, he panicked a little bit, and I don't, want, I don't want to use the word panic. I'll take that back. Um, he just, it kind of like he had to force himself to kind of kick it into gear a little bit, and then he forced himself into a mistake. So, and if you talk to Tomac too, Tomac, or you listen to Tomac's interviews, Tomac was very um, hell bent on making early moves in that first moto, which I think, you know, Stu was on too early. And then in the second moto, Tomac, you know, we already talked about the tire thing, but Tomac more attributed to him not making moves early enough. Like in the first moto, it's like I was super aggressive. I zero waiting anywhere on the first lap. And the second moto, I waited, wasn't aggressive enough on the first lap, and then everybody settled in, and then I couldn't make moves past that. Uh, Jason Anderson, 2-2, pulls a Tim Ferry. Red Dog won all his overalls with 2-2 scores. Uh, Jason was great. Yeah, he was really good all day. He didn't qualify that well. I remember looking at it because I picked him for Pulp Fantasy, and I was thinking about his qualifying time, but – Track was a little weird, but yeah, Anderson gets his second uh, 450 national win, second uh, win in, in his uh, in his uh, career, second national win in his career. And he, so I was listening to uh, Dunge and um, uh, Sexton talk about Anderson afterwards uh, in the uh, in the media corral, and they're both like, "Dude, he's so good on this hard stuff. He can move everywhere." We saw he was doing that little tunnel jump thing. Um, yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. He he can move all over the bike and get fine traction on the insides is what they were saying. And it makes sense because, yeah, Anderson rides loose, right? He's all over the bike. He's kind of moving all over the place like Villeman was a little bit. And uh, and he finds traction. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2-2 day for Anderson. Takes the win. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look, he, he, he's he been third lately a lot and been the third-place guy. So it's got to feel pretty good, Weege, for Anderson to get this. Yeah, and it's good to see it pay off, right? Because, okay, maybe Anderson's heart wasn't always in outdoors. And I was I almost felt bad for him because I'm like, dude, he's trying so hard this year and he's being rewarded with nothingness. Do you like the uh, announcement? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad to see the effort he was putting in does get rewarded eventually and he probably gets a nice bonus. And it's proof that, like, just keep trying. Things will work out for you. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I just wanted to add one thing on Anderson. Um I asked him about that scoop tire, and he just like, yeah, no, there's no way. Like, I, I don't practice with it. I don't like it. And I think he was kind of alluding to what you were, what you said that those other guys were saying. Like, he's so good at moving around and finding traction. I think that 
advantage would be immediately taken away if he went to that aggressive tire. So he was like, no, no, I'm out. I'm not using it. Uh, interesting. All right. I just, Barsha just posted you know, the GoPro. And, and so. I was going to say, part of the reason I think Tomac, by the way, couldn't make those early moves is because at the beginning of that second photo, you couldn't make moves because Dunge was going nuts, Anderson was going nuts, Roxham was going nuts, Sexton was going nuts. I mean, those you, the guys were side-by-side side in, like, every corner for the first three laps. Like, you're not going to pass when guys are side-by-side, side, right? So that – the. Well, I think that's part of the reason Tomac couldn't move up. Those guys in the second motor were freaking on it. The Dunge, Roxton, and Anderson battle was nuts. It was. There was six guys within six seconds or something uh, going on in the second moto. It was just yeah, six yeah. seconds between first and or six and a half between first and sixth. Yeah, Savachi. Yeah, uh, after sixth and fell. Yeah, but Dunge and Roxton, like we know how good Roxton is in the first lap, and it was like Dunge is like, no, no, I'm not letting you get by. And then in the second lap, Roxon managed to triple down that hill. Yeah, um, Roxon 3-3 on the day. Uh, good job for Ken Roxon to get back on the podium. It hasn't gone his way. He led laps both motos. Uh, got the whole shot in one of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he was happy afterwards. He seemed happy. 3-3, uh, three, three, he didn't have anything for the guys up front in either moto. But, yeah, uh, Weege, if you're Ken Roxon, you'll take the third. That's for sure. Yeah, we have to even go further on giving up on understanding when he's going to be good and bad, right? Because we were trying to track it to the weather, mm-hmm. and this ended up being the most humid one we've had all year. And uh, that's probably about the toughest he's hung in there, besides the opening couple of rounds. But um, just <laughs> if you're going to pick which is the one where he's going to start up front and then not go back, I don't think this is the one you would have picked. So I completely and totally give up now on knowing when Kent's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Who knows? I mean, you know, getting good starts on a track like Bud's, like I was saying, was start-dependent a lot, and getting up front in clean air and riding your race doesn't take a lot of energy, right? Uh, But we've seen Ken have those exact same scenarios in the past and go really far backwards, like seventh, eighth, right? Um, And this one he didn't. So, yeah, I'm with you, Weech. Just uh, shoulder shrug emoji, (laughs) right? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, okay, yes, you are right. It's maybe a little easier track to hold people back. But you can tell when the, the drain plug goes out on Ken, it doesn't matter how one line the track is. He's not going to hold those dudes off. Yeah. I mean, Dunge was trying in both motos. I think it was about a second and a half, the gap at the finish, in both motos. And you know Dunge wants that podium so bad. Yeah. Like, those guys were trying, and Tomac was behind him. I mean, those guys were trying so hard in the second moto. And he held him back. I, I don't think you can say it's the track. It's for some reason he was just more physically fit mm-hmm. on this day yeah. than uh, the others. Uh, JT, Ryan Dungey, 4-4 four, four for fifth. Ouch. That's like straight out of Nicoletti's playbook. But he told me afterwards that he thought he rode the best he has all year. This was his best race. And uh, yeah, I, I, thought, I kind of agree. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he rode really well. Um, and it, it was close. He, uh, we, we, we interviewed him. I guess I did. Our show interviewed him. The Inside Pro Motocross show interviewed him after the event and uh he was like man it was so tight because if i get rocks in i get on the podium but if i don't i'm fifth you know so it was like there's so much to race for there and everybody was on the limit and nobody was tired and no, you know like there was just no give in anybody and uh but and he he seemed really happy like as much as you could be for being a little bit disappointed um and, and i think he was excited to be relevant right like he was there he was in the mix for a podium all day long. He was out front leading at one point. Like there was a lot to be optimistic there about. 
And, um, yeah, I, I, I have nothing bad to say other than it sucks for him to get fifth overall, but at the same time, like, he's in the mix. Yeah. Right? Okay, do I think he's going to win an overall? No. But he was in the podium conversation literally for 70 minutes, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it led some laps, too. Fans were loving it. Uh, I was uh, yeah. standing by the announcer's tower there. Fans were all into it. Um, he, I asked him about next year because I keep hearing he's in for Supercross and Motocross. Like, he's back. And I asked him about it afterwards. He did not deny it. He made it sound like, yeah, like he's, he's thinking about it. And, and so he, we Supercross. Could, yeah, yeah. I keep hearing the that. The whole thing. Uh, the whole thing. Dude, I'm with you, man. Wow. I I can see, honestly, I had never thought of the Nationals like this, but if you boil it down where it's 15 weekends total, probably, right, two or three months of training, which you could do at home, I'm like, yeah, that actually fits a lifestyle pretty well. He's got to commit five out of 12 months a year to it. Hardcore. Obviously, he's going to train year-round. Yeah, but yeah. That's now he's going twelve months deep. Especially by the way, does, does he know next year the schedule goes to October? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Someone should check in with him. But um, <laughs> wow. yeah, well, maybe we'll see. I, it definitely sounded like he was coming, thinking about coming back, and maybe being even a little bit coy about far as coming back. So good job for Ryan well, Dungey, though. He expressed to you if he was going to do that, like he kind of knows that there's a limit to this Minnesota program, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So does that mean? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All the way back in. Well, he's you know, troll train's done, so he can't he can't use troll train to push him anymore. Okay, you know, so yeah, he may have to <laughs> true, get out of Minnesota. Uh, wow. So we had a factory rider disqualified. It is uh, the afternoon on the East Coast, Monday afternoon. We know nothing from the officials outside of contact with Ferrandis caused Barsha to be disqualified. Uh, was there video of it? Uh, did his supercross uh, uh, punishments come into play? What, what, what did Dylan? We don't know nothing. We d- Dylan posted it, and Barsha just posted a video. But I mean, I would like to hear an official explanation outside of contact with Ferrandis from an official that a factory rider got DQ'd, like disqualified. He didn't lose a couple positions because he jumped on a yellow and or cut the track. No, no, a factory rider got disqualified from a race for contact, and. Yeah, they told you why. Here we are. Yeah, here we are. Not knowing anything now, Barsha. They told you, they told you why. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I think we need I mean, a little more than that. Did, but they did. They did though. Okay. Uh, if you're good with that, then that's awesome. That's great. I don't think most people should be good with that when a factory rider, one of the bigger names in the sports, gets disqualified. That's fine for you. But, but, but like, do you want them to write up a bio and put it on Wikipedia? I would like I mean, uh, uh, the officials viewed footage from here and they took Justin Barsha's. Uh, super cost uh, punishment into effect, or they did not, or it did not matter, and we decided to disqualify him. Uh, Ferrandis said this, Barsha said this, and we're moving on. Like, something other than, you know, nothing. Then contact with Ferrandis. Now, Ferrandis posted, you know, a pretty scathing uh, uh, week. Did you see Ferrandis' social media on it? I know JT did. No, I just okay. watched the Barsha vid, but... Okay, Ferrandez said, you know, his yeah. sponsors, his fans, why do they keep allowing him to do this? That came out first, right? We uh-huh. know Barsha's past, so yeah. I'm thinking yeah. it's pretty horrendous. But then Barsha just posted his GoPro, and it's not great. You know, the, the, the initial word was that he cut the track to take out Dylan, which makes you think that, you know, he got knocked down, got up, cut the track, and took Dylan out. That's sort of what I was imagining in my head with somebody – like Barsha's really? past. Oh, wow. I, I never thought that. Okay, that's what I was thinking with Barsha's past. Like, 
got because they they almost came together in the mechanics area at one uh, maybe the lap or two before. But anyways, yeah. Barsha just posted his GoPro, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's worthy of a DQ, like a D- DQ. But but obviously we don't know. But I'm guessing they said, "Hey man, we warned you at Salt Lake, and now you did this." So now they're escalating it. But we don't know. We have no idea. Yeah. But I, looking I at that, that GoPro, that seems a harsh DQ. I think if he had no history, I would say you're right. I, I agree. Um, that's the tricky part is what prior events do you take into consideration? You know, it's like a, it's, it's a really bad reference because this is not the same, but it's, it's like having a criminal record. And I, I hate using that because that's not I, – I think Justin Barsh is a very nice person. I don't like the way he races, but, that, but this is what it is. Basically, like there is a list of prior incidents – that I think they're using to make their judgment and their decision. Now, whether that's right or wrong, is not for me to decide, but I do believe that it came into play. It's hard. It's hard to say that that move warranted a disqualification in a vacuum. So what else is there, right? What other scenarios are there? You have to think that they're looking at prior incidents. And for Barsha, there, there are literally dozens of them. I want to say hundreds, but that's probably hyperbole, but there, there are a lot. And I think all the riders are pretty much over him at this point, whether it's Tomac or Mookie or Ferrandis or take your pick. Um, I could go on and name others that in other situations that aren't necessarily public, but a lot of these guys are really sick of racing with Barsha and the way he rides. This is not a secret. It's not something that guys shy away from when they talk about him privately. And I don't think he knows. I think he has to know that guys don't like him for this or like racing with him, but I, I guess he just doesn't care because it, it felt like he definitely didn't care. And he's really defiant again today with this post. Um, so he, there, there are only two possible scenarios. Either he doesn't understand or he doesn't care. There's, there's really no, no other way that can be looked at. What do you think, Weech? Yeah, the GoPro is not as bad as I thought. I mean, I, I, I'm, he didn't leave much. What did he just say? There's three sides of the story, his side, my side, right? Um, it, it takes me back to the very first race of the year in Anaheim when Anderson, like, touched him, right? But what did you say then, JT? Like, you just have to know. If you, if you do anything, anything, anything to escalate it, now it's on. And Ferrandez does move over on him. I don't think what Ferrandez does. And this is, by the way, again, with a GoPro. It's very hard to know exactly, so I don't want to take too much into it. But it did look like Ferrandez at one point was going to shut him down from the outside and, and cross Barsha on the inside. And, again, I hate to take too much out of a GoPro, but that's what we have seen. It's like if anyone attempts even a 5% aggression with him, it then goes nuke. Now, yes, he did not cut the track. It looked to me like – it looks oh, he, like jumps over, he jumps over. He jumps over. He jumps over a yellow stake, but he goes inside of the of the course markers. Absolutely, yeah. But but so did forty oh, other. Worse then, yeah. so, so did forty yeah. other guys. Yep. And Buster. he looked like essentially in a corner. He was going straight. The entrance of the corner. He just went straight. Uh, well, and you then have I guess to go into, you have to the, go exit. the course markers, right? He just goes across well, yes. it, and then goes yep. straight to the berm, and then makes you know like instead of trying to turn, he goes to where Ferrandis is going to be. And the rest of it takes care of itself. And I'm not That's saying it's saying. the most egregious yep. thing ever. Nope. I'm just saying when you don't follow the track and then you blast a dude, yeah, the guy that gets knocked down is going to be pissed. And then when you take into account that it's, it's Barsha again, then, yeah, they're going to be even more pissed. 
That seems like yeah. a lot for a DQ. I know. Well, I know. All I'm, I'm saying is, he, was he went straight. I'm not. He did. He went straight. I didn't even notice the course marker. That's even worse. Yeah, we watch, it, watch it again. Yeah. yeah, but what I did see was, he it was not even close to following the natural arc of that corner. He just went straight to the exit. But also you see Ferrandez move on him. And I'm not saying it's okay for Barsha to act like this, but this is the way Barsha does it. If you rough him up in the slightest, it becomes World War Three. So I see Ferrandez moving on in over on him first, and you're just like, oh, no. Oh, God. And I'm not saying that makes it okay for Barsha to do it, but that is his pattern of behavior. Anderson slightly put an elbow on him at Anaheim 1, and what happens in the very next quarter? So that's, I, I, I just, he shouldn't do it. Yeah, he, I would shouldn't like do some, it. he shouldn't ride like that. It's not doesn't make it excusable, but I feel like we see this pattern over and over. Well, I would like to, some explanation from the race officials at some point, but I guess maybe well, sure. not, or I don't know, yeah. or who knows. Uh, the pass was taken yeah. in, or did Barsha tell the AMA guys to, to fuck off? And you know what I mean? Like what, what happened? To, like you know, again, just tell us why you DQ'd him. That's all. Past yeah, incidents, uh, incidents at the track, uh, whatever. But. Um, I just I don't think I would handle this very well, knowing myself. I would be there would be some sort of incident. Like I, I promise. Like it, it's and, and Ferrandis really hasn't gotten into it with Barsha so many times. But like I just I can't stand when dudes do this over and over and over, and it's just like they don't care. Like you penalize them, they don't care. You DQ them at or you penalize them at Salt Lake, they don't care. You DQ them at Bud's Creek, they don't care. And I think that's what. The point Ferrandis was making is like he just continues to do it. It doesn't matter. Like he, there is no real penalty that he takes seriously. Obviously, because he well, continues to just do this. A DQ is serious, so we'll see what happens. I mean, that's that's KTM getting involved, right? Like that's a stain on them, and like that's a but big. Yeah. You, that was like the the Salt Lake thing was way more important to me, in my opinion. Yeah, losing third place in the championship is way more important. Yeah, but I'm saying like getting DQ'd in a moto where you're not doing anything all summer anyway. But this is an escalation, so now he's got a DQ. So now if he does something else, we'll see. But again, we have no idea. Maybe not. I don't know. No idea. So. I am surprised that he's using his GoPro footage to make the point that he doesn't deserve the penalty. He's defiant. This is this yeah, is that's who he is. The, that's the real I mean, issue. The penalties are designed to decrease your defiance. It's designed to say you are now in the wrong. Stop. Not, okay, we DQ'd you, DQ'd you, now get pissed. Like, at some point, it's designed to make you say, I am sorry, I will stop. Not, I didn't do anything wrong, actually, here's the GoPro footage to prove I did nothing wrong, I didn't deserve the penalty. Like, that's not the message, I didn't do anything wrong. No, because... This is my side of the story, is not the message you're trying to send. What Barsha's doing now by posting that is the fans of Justin Barsha, and there's a lot of them, you know, are now going to side with him because that's where we're at in 2022. And yeah, now he, they're yeah. going to br- just bring more wrath upon the officials, AMA, and sports and all of that, you know? Yeah, so, um, yeah. And one other point I had to make on this. Oh, go ahead, JC. No, go no, ahead. no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll make it up to you. Um, uh, I'm not sure if this is where you're going, JT. I think some people are going to be like, you know, well, why, you know, why don't these guys just extract the frontier justice themselves? Why are they so soft? The problem is that Barsha is so aggressive, and it's usually with very high-end guys that have a lot to gain, a lot to lose. I, I think they know that's just a, a fool's game. Like, there are some dudes, uh, the great Justin Brayton one time, he took Anderson out, right, to be like, okay, I just got to show him where I'm at. And then he took Anderson out, and Anderson said, good on you, I won't hit you anymore. And that doesn't work with Barsha. And if you're Ferrandis or anybody, Tomac, Anderson, or any of these guys who have had run into Barsha, there's too much on the line. 
Like, they cannot take the risk of, I'm going to send him a message next week. So he stops. Because then he goes nuke on you, and you lose more than he does. Like, Ferrandez could have easily been hurt. So that's why, if anyone's just saying, why don't they just take him out to send him their own message, it would not work, I believe, in this situation. Uh, yeah, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. We'll learn more. What I don't really get is he's he's really nice guy. Like, and, and I don't like talking negatively about him because he is so nice, you know, when he's not on his motorcycle. But then he puts his helmet on, and it's like some sort of alter ego or like there's some some sort of crazy substance in his helmet that makes him go haywire. Like, I just – I don't – I don't really get it. Um, everybody else, like, they use their head. They understand that – People are out there trying to make a living and race and do the best they can and all those things. And he, like, he just does not care. Like, he literally doesn't care. I don't, he doesn't have any sort of regard for other racers, it seems. And I, I don't understand the disconnect of who he is as a person and then who he is as a racer are, like, wildly different. It's crazy to me. I think you're going you're – exa- to me, I, I don't agree with what you're saying in regards to this move here. But whatever. But I, it's uh, been a career of it. Okay, but that's it's fine. Not but just this incident. Yeah, this I move, mean, it's a career. I'm not. I'm not judging it all off this incident. Okay, I'm judging over a 12-year career. I don't see the DQ in this incident. Going off that GoPro footage, we'll know, learn more, I guess, down the road. That, I, and I that's why I said earlier that this is a I mean, compilation who, of, of of events. Who's been DQ'd? Chad, which was ridiculous, and we all agree with that. Do we have another DQ moment? And I'm not speaking Dairy Queen. I'm not speaking about Dairy Queen. But you said it's an escalation, right? I don't know. I would love to know. Love to know. You said it was. I don't don't know. I have no idea. I've said that. I don't know. But you said, literally, like five minutes ago, you said this is an escalation. Well, by the AMA, by MX Sports. But can you tell me why, MX Sports? Can you tell me what happened? Maybe, like I said, he walked into the truck, literally started screaming and throwing things, and they said, you're DQ'd. You know, who knows? I don't know. I'd love love to know that. Like I, I don't know what, what the meet, I know they had to go meet him after the after the race, but what happened in the meeting? Yeah. Maybe I'm, something happened in this guess? meeting. I'll, I'll give a guess, and I have no evidence to prove this. I wasn't there. I haven't talked to anybody. I don't know anything. But my guess is, is that he came with the same approach that he has in his in his GoPro video of defiance, and I didn't do anything wrong. And they're like, "You're not getting it." That that's my guess. And I'm, that's my own opinion. I could be way wrong. But that's what I think, judging off his post and judging how he's been in the past, is he's like, yeah, whatever, get over it. And they're like, no, we're, we're not going to just get over it. And, and do they, did they watch another video? Do the, is there another know. video yeah, out I there? I know, I, I know you don't, don't know, but right. is there another video out there? Uh, what did they watch? What did they see? Because, again, judging by that GoPro, like we said, eh. But what, maybe, and, and maybe would, there's another video I would, I would also make an assumption that someone involved like where that area is a lot of people are standing up there it's by the tower you can see it right it's a very visible area for people so i'm guessing someone saw it right someone said hey i saw this firsthand and this is what happened that's my own opinion saying that but it's it's not in a hidden part of the racetrack it's up on top the announcer's tower is is right there um i've stood in that area before for all of motocross the nation so Somebody saw it is what I'm going to just put out there as an opinion. Uh, Craig, sixth overall, 5'7", not named to the Designations team. I think he's a little bummed on that, uh, but still a good season for him, 5'7", at Bud. Savachi was stoked on that second moto, and I think he had good cause to be, Weech. Yeah, caught Eli, you know, and, uh, you know, Dunge was right there. Kenny was right there. Good job for Joey Savachi. 
I talked to him a little bit after the race, and um, it's the hot new trend uh, in the sport. JT, you talk about this a lot, the rolling speed. So he's been working during the week to mm-hmm. do motos, no brake, no clutch, just coasting, 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 keep that speed up instead of, you know, accelerate hard, brake hard, accelerate hard. And then he said in uh, qualifying, he was actually fastest in the first session, right? Yep. Because um, he was doing that. And then he said he got too much confidence. Then he started charging too hard, screwed up the second one, screwed up the first one, then convinced himself again to start riding like that. And then the second moto is much better. So he thinks this is real progress. Yep. Trying to ride, this is the new thing, the rolling speed. Less brakes, less gas, more one constant speed. Slow down to go fast. It's really that. Yep. It is. The classic Gary Belly. Right. Uh, AP, eighth overall uh, on the day. And, um, yeah, I didn't notice AP too much. He made the bike, big bike changes last week with his forks, of course. Uh, eighth overall for AP. Ninth for Malcolm. A better showing for him than it was Unadilla. Tenth for Freddie Norn. Good job, Freddie. 69 for tenth. Huh. Kind of lucky there. but He rode really well second yeah, moto. he did. He was on it. Uh, Troll Train, 14-12. He was caught up with his teammates, uh, Marchbanks and McElrath, kind of in both motos. So um, there was that going on, a real Club MX show out there. Uh, Ferrandez, of course, sixth. And then uh, after the Barsha crash, he pulled off, hit his head a little bit. Six DNF for him. Uh, Marchbank said he was uh, sick a little bit, had a cold or whatever uh, coming in. And then he's got asthma, so that affects him. 13-14 on the day. Dino was uh, way back in the first moto, probably like just like everybody else. Like, oh, yeah, welcome to the Nationals. 18-11 for Dino. Uh, Shane, 17-13 for McElrath. Benny Bloss, you know what happened second moto, JT, at all with Benny? Uh, on Dino, Dino went down on the first corner yeah. of the first moto. Yep. Um, and then I know I don't, I don't know what happened with, with Benny. Well, my Paul Fantasy team would like to know. That's two rough weekends in a row for Benny, though. Uh, Rod Bell, Weege, 15-18, and he made the Twisted T post-race show shirtless. Yeah, we're, we're advocating for this. Hart uh, Raft is out. Marshall Welton hurt himself, I believe, in the first moto. So uh, Twisted T, HEP, Suzuki, we dragged Rod Bell over to do our post-race show. They didn't have any of their normal riders. And then we asked Rod Bell if he'd be available to just join the team, and he was. He didn't mm-hmm. even have a shirt on, Steve, because he yeah. has no – he was on a team, Bud Builders, not sure. He's no longer part of that team. Yeah, as of, as of this race, yeah, as of this race, yeah. Yes. Right. Uh, so he had no shirt, no sponsors, no affiliation at all. So let's go from post-race show to just being on the team. Hep, Twisted T, do it. Yeah, there we go. Put him on. Um, yep. mm-hmm. um, so fifteen, eighteen for Rod Bell. Caroli, Caroli comes oh, all God. the comes all the way over for this race. Did not staying for Ironman. Uh, qualified second. Good job. Of course, he'd ridden this track before in uh, Bud's Creek 07. Uh, first moto, first lap. He washes his front end out. He said he got up, and the whole pack was behind him. And he said everybody was making eye contact with him, and everybody was swerving and moving, except for Barsha who pinned it and ran right over his arm. So, just but, like, presented. Why should, we, why should we be surprised? Presented with, without comment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what Antonio told me. Like, I don't, I, don't, so, I don't get it. That's what I'm saying. Like, you talk to Marshall with his helmet off, and he's so nice, and then he puts his helmet on, and he runs over nine-time champion Tony Caroli's arm. Yeah. Caroli had his arm in a bandage. He, 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 what are you doing? Has, like, a boxer's fracture, he said. But it won't hurt him for his nations. And second moto, he said he was, you know, not going to ride, but he'd come all this way. So second moto, he just rode it out in 15th. So Antonio Carolla. Marsha just taking out all the foreigners. Yeah. Really helping out the Des Nations effort. Italy, Italy, France. Yeah. yeah. True patriot. Yeah. Uh, It's shocking that I wouldn't be more on on his side on this stuff. Yeah. 
Poor Antonio Caroli. I don't know why he's not staying for Ironman. I think he's got a KTM test is what he was kind of yeah, saying. Yeah, that is but, weird. I, I would have guessed yeah. he would be here. Yeah, you would think if he's going to do one, you know. But. It's a long way to come for one race. Nice to have him around, though, huh, Weege? Classing up the series. Yeah, I'm just following the way it turned out because he finished uh, second, I think, in qualifying, right? Yeah, sec- qualified second. And then that was a good start in that first moto. And then he was hurt, you know, five turns into the race. So who, yeah. who knows? Like, he might have had a good run. Yeah. So that's the, the biggest bummer. The worst would have been if it messed with the nations. I guess it's not, but. I would have liked to have seen what he could do. Uh, Hawaii's own Grant Harlan got one point because Barsha got DQ'd. So he was very excited about that. Thanks to, thanks to the BAM DQ, moves up uh, Hawaii's own Grant Harlan for one point. So good job on the day for, uh, for Harlan. Um, it's interesting after the race, Sexton, I was kind of a, uh, a fly on the wall with Sexton and Dunge talking uh, about the title and everything. And, and it's interesting. Dunge was like, Hey, man, don't look at the title. Just one race. One race at a time. Don't think about that title. You know, all the basic stuff, but it was really neat to hear Ryan giving Chase advice on how to handle this with four motos to go. Um, and Dungeon's like, you know, you just, just one, one at a time, man. Don't even think about the title. Yeah, it was interesting. And Chase was like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was yep. cool to be there. There's a few other things probably I shouldn't share because – I wasn't really recording it. But, yeah, uh, um, interesting to, um, to talk about it. And then um, Sexton was kind of like – I don't. Sexton said to me, like, I, I don't think anybody's pushed Eli like this in any of his titles, right? And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, said, I said Marv had his days. But, like, yeah, no, not – did not push Eli like you are pushing him. Not at all. Well, so. don't say that to Dungey. No, but uh, I don't think Dunge pushed Tomac. I mean, maybe not outdoors, but like super Yeah, drop. no, outdoors. Like, I mean, For, no, he was talking about his outdoor titles. Is, yeah. Is, is it's that. still probably not the best take. Yeah. Nah. That was fine. No, you don't, you don't think so? Like, no. the guy that battled him for years before, like, I don't, I don't think th- anybody ever pushed him like this. I don't think Dunge pushed him like this. Dunge was done in, uh, what, 17? And then T- Tomac won. Tomac wins uh, 15, 16. I don't. I can't even. I got all the. the he won 17, 18, 19. The year, yeah, the years uh, not straight. But I feel like I feel like he like t- like Dunge was out early with that neck injury, right? No, I know. I, just, I think Dunge I can make know. the argument that Dunge can make the argument of I didn't push him. I was just way ahead of him in points. I just the last him. couple years of yeah, my career when he was yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But during the title years is what the question. But was. do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, like, I do. To, to tell a guy that beat him straight up in multiple championships that no one's ever pushed Tomac this far is like uh, in his in his like, his outdoor titles. So okay. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you to the folks at Fly Racing. Of course, 2023 stuff is out at Fly Racing USA on social media. They embody all things motocross, head to toe, formula helmet. Uh, the boots. What, boots are F twos. What are the boots? F fours. For fly racing. Yeah. Uh, FR five. FR five. Yeah, that's it. Uh, good boot. Uh, uh, really, really good boot. And the heavy covered head to toe. Zone Pro goggles. Justin Brayton put them on the podium, so you know the goggles are good. And then of course, uh, RJ Hampshire winning this race with fly racing on it. So uh, that's good. Good stuff from those guys. Thank you to Renthal and Maxis, and of course Coba Links. Lowering suspension links on everything from Aprilia to Yamaha. And, uh, yeah, you want to gain some confidence, increase the plushness of your bike. Look at Koba Links. Use the code PulpMX to save on shipping and a discount as well. So if you have a shorter stature person that wants to feel a little bit more comfy, 
on their bike. Check out Cobra Links. Uh, thank you to motorsport.com, of course, OEM and aftermarket parts. And go through the banner on pulpamex.com or pulpamexshow.com to help us out. Uh, motorsport.com, OEM and aftermarket parts. Street bike stuff, UTV stuff, motocross stuff, they've got it all. Motorsport.com. And, of course, we on X Maps. Yeah, Onyx maps of, uh, I'm going to say uh, one and a half billion miles of trails mapped out now. I think it's more like 600,000, but at that point, he's counting. Yeah, what does it matter? And there are trails for, yeah, exactly. And there are trails for dirt bikes, of course. You know, the ADV adventure market is absolutely blowing up. So that's part of it. You know, if you're an off-road guy, uh, big for that. But also trails for mountain bikes, hikers, hunters, uh, hikers, all those things. So check it out, onxmaps.com or on X Off-Road in the App Store. Just download the app and check it out. Play around with it, and you'll see things that you didn't even know you could see before. Uh, also, thanks to the folks at UASA Batteries on board with us. Actually, uh, I believe the UASA Battery uh, sponsorship is done, but because Ronnie Stewart has been showing up again, let's just mention him again, they've uh, been putting together high-quality batteries since 1979, and they support Ronnie Stewart, and Ronnie Stewart was back, so I'm just going to continue to say their name, even though technically I think in August we don't need to mention them anymore. I, oh, I didn't like know this. I didn't get this memo, yeah. but sorry, you asked. Well, I mean, yeah. once Ronnie Stew showed up at Unadilla, I'm like, this is our chance. Yeah, yeah, we got to get it in. It's too uh, good. Too good. All right, 250s, uh, here we go. Uh, RJ Hampshire, um, Kiefer says he claimed RJ for the win on Monday's Pulp Show. I know Max Steffens did. Good job to those wow. two guys. If it was indeed, Kiefer did it. Now, RJ's won before. How would you not know if Kiefer did it? What's that? How would you not know? I don't remember Kiefer saying it. He claims he did. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I didn't okay. go back and check the tape. But I know okay. Max did. And I was like, what? Anyways, yeah, they called it. RJ Hampshire, 1-2. And he had to get uh, Justin Cooper in the second moto uh, for the overall. Schmoda was going to get it. Uh, and, and RJ had to dig deep to do it. And then he had to hold, hold off Jet Lawrence. In that last lap as well, RJ told me it pushed it pretty hard to do that. Good job, RJ Hampshire. Uh, gets the win. First yeah. win for KTM on the new bike he mentioned. Uh, and then he mentioned about how he got new parts. So good job, RJ. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, kind of the RJ we expected at some point to see this year. He's been very, very, very vocal about the bike. And then he's been very, very, very vocal about being vocal. You know, he <laughs> did he say that he, he – you know, if you're going to complain and then you get new parts, you better perform. But he did it. Um, and that was impressive. I mean, he really should have been a player all summer. I think he got second. He got second. Photo of the year. Oh. So it kind of set him up as like, yep, he's going to be the thorn in the side of the Lawrence brothers. It ended up being Shimoda, maybe Justin Cooper. But uh, this is where he should have been all year. And someday there will be volumes written about this new generation KTM 250 and 450 and what a season it has been. Um, someday I, I will look forward to reading that book whenever that book comes out. Because down at Infamy, this bike. Well, I was talking to Tony Caroli about it, and he said there's changes coming to the bike for next year. So, yeah, it seems like a lot of the chorus of people on both sides of the ocean have been. Uh, the production bike? Yeah, production. Yeah. So. Uh, that's weird. I mean, the 2023 is already out. Hmm. All right, did they make did they make many changes, or was he talking about twenty four? Well, yeah, he might be talking twenty four because the problem is the twenty threes are just the factory edition. You yeah, know, they, they come just out six months later. Well, so so, so okay, so maybe he's yeah. talking about the twenty four factory edition. Oh, wait, I didn't think about that. They right. could have Russia twenty four factory edition together, and by Anaheim they're on a new bike. Exactly right. They always they're oh, always one boy. year ahead though, so maybe that's what he's yeah. talking about. Yeah. But 
But I think by, by I think Tony was sort of saying, like, yeah, we, we know, you know, because – but JT, oh, yeah. for RJ, like, he yeah, he's been vocal, and I told him afterwards, I'm like, well, at least you backed this up. And he's like, exactly. I told them I needed this and this. They got it, um, and it broke at Unadilla, but they got me another one, and here I go and I won. So Yeah, yeah, he get, and he gave them a ton of credit on the podium. He said, uh, he said, I've been really hard on them, but to their credit, they responded, and here we are. So Jet hasn't won in seven straight motos. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Seven moto winless streak. He hasn't led a lap since Spring Creek. Slump? Question mark? Is yeah. Jet Lawrence yeah. overrated? No. <laughs> Should Jet be fired from Honda? <laughs> That doesn't that doesn't deserve a response. Okay, I'm just wondering because uh, yeah, two three on the day. I mean, he rode up from the back, kind of in both motos a little bit. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, a little. I mean, look, he's got a big points lead. We get it. He's bringing it home. But yeah, seven straight moto, uh, winless motos for Jet. I guess ninety five percent, ninety nine percent of riders would love to have this streak that he's on, where he's gone like two two seven three two or something. So yeah. Uh, Joe Schmo- second moto though he uh, terrible start yeah. he got cut off by the two scoop tires to his left and his right and then uh, he was like 30th by where I counted him on the first lap and to get back to third and almost second was, uh, was pretty impressive Weed Joe Schmota 2023 250 motocross champion I mean hey. we gotta talk about He's it speechless He's speechless. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. What's the problem? Joe Schmoda. Joe. 2023 yeah. 250 motocross champion. Like, for reals. It could happen. He's that good. Yeah, and what's significant is, um, you know, he gets along with the Lawrence brothers really well. We know how, um, as I say, low-key confident, I'll say, uh, Hunter Lawrence is. Um, I believe they enjoy battling with him. But I don't think Hunter was bargaining for at the end of the year Joe might actually beat him in points. And if you can beat him in points this year, well, yep. you're certainly going to be considered you could beat him in points next year. We know Jet's not going to be in the class next year. He'll be on a 450. Mm-hmm. So this is some important positioning. And Hunter has had some motos not go his way, but it's not like he had, like, bikes blow up three times or something. Like, Joe's just been that good. So it's really changing the paradigm quickly. But, yeah, if Joe finishes second of the points and Jet graduates, how could you not? Making right? the favorite. Absolutely. No, yeah. for sure. this is so amazing. His Supercross season did not go well. He has won, yep. he, uh, won two nationals, almost won his third. Came up from way back in the first moto to get third. Like, yeah, dude, he's – it's awesome. Good to see for Joe Schmoto. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, he's a real deal. It, it's awesome. Good good job for him. Jets third. Uh, Hunter had a terrible day. Crashes uh, in both motos. Crashes first moto? Horrible day. Second moto. Yeah, multiple times. Yeah, both like – Dude. And 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 then is is uh, Unadilla didn't go well. I mean, he lost second in points. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely going yeah, south for Hunter right now. Bad, 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 bad day. Uh, Moseman, uh, yeah, ran well. First moto looked really good uh, up front and podiums. Lost his front end out. Jet gave him the uh, thumbs up there. I don't think he was too oh, happy. God, yeah, that photo was awesome. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was great. The, the, uh, in Moseman's defense, he did move over, but Moseman had been taking that line all moto, so. I get where Jet yeah. was like, hey, man, what are you doing? You know, and then you lost your front end in front of me. But Mosman had been taking that line. It's more of my understanding 
of the situation is that this is something that goes on a lot where they're like, what are you thinking? And it was just another incident of that. So I think Jet was like, yeah, man, good job. Way yeah, to go. right. Uh, but, yeah, Mosman came back from two races off, 4-7 on the day. Justin Cooper was sick all week. Uh, there was some thought that he wouldn't even show up uh, at the race, so 9-4 for him. First moto, he went down early and uh, fought his way back. Second moto, he went backwards a little bit, but, again, I think he was sick. I don't know if he, I think he rode all week, but he is on Team USA, Weege. Justin Cooper. Yeah, so that was that was really interesting uh, how this uh, – I had a hand in uh, Team USA. had a big hand in it. So – at uh, 12.20, we were going to shoot our TV stand-up on camera. So at 12.10, I was leaving the pits. And I see Big John Knox, the security guy for Team USA. He's got Justin Cooper and Eli Tomac in a Kawasaki mule. He's driving them out, and they have gear on. And I'm like, what are you guys doing together at 12.15 in the morning? Why, why would you guys be together in a mule driving out on the track? What, what's this for? And they're like, you know what it is. And then Big John, they're starting to get surrounded by fans, Stu-style. So we pull up, they pull up to Honda, and Big John's like, can you do me a favor? Could you just go get Sexton? And I'm come out, and I'm like, for what? For what? 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 Why do we need Sexton, Cooper, and Tellback? What's this for? <laughs> and he's like, just get Sexton. And I'm like, okay. So I go over to Honda. I'm like, it's Chase around. They got to do the donations thing. It's 1215. They got to be out there by 1230. And his mechanic's like, he's taking a nap right now. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, well, this is not my responsibility, but, but I guess this. he's got to yeah. wake up. Yeah. Huh? I, th- I think they know yeah. this. Yeah. I know, I know. I'm like, I am just the messenger, like, in the right. strongest sense of the word. Like, I'm not even involved with this. I'm trying to leave myself. But he has to wake up. And then it occurs to me that there's Eli doing the right thing, getting dressed, waking up from a potential nap of his own, but his rival's napping in the air conditioning. So the mechanic's got to go get Sexton, get him to wake up, get him to get dressed for the announcement. Five more minutes goes by. Tomac is just sitting in this mule in the sun, just melting while Sexton's still in the AC. And I'm like, this is just killing the, un- the unity of the team right now. We're just killing the unity as Sexton and Tomac are about to go to war over this title. And Sexton's in the AC and Tomac's sweating. So I come back over. I'm like, I don't even know if I should tell Tomac that he naps. I don't oh. even know if he should know that. Oh. I- so I'm just like, yeah, he's, uh, he's getting dressed. <laughs> this is probably not the best thing for the team unity right now. I understand. And Eli goes... Don't worry about it. We're dropping him. We're just going to take El Hombre. <laughs> <laughs> so, credit. I didn't know Tomek had that sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty funny. Listen, Tomek. Like, let's get El Hombre. He El Hombre is, will do it. He's been a different guy, man. He shows up at these press corrals when, when, when it's not going well, t- gives yep. interviews. He doesn't hide. He's been funny. Yep. He's, you know, he's come on the show for me in times where he's ignored it. Like, He's a different guy this year, man. He really is. Totally. Yep. yep. Totally. Yeah, yep. let's get El Hombre. Forget yep. about it. Yeah, forget it. D- so great. Um, but yeah. uh, Cooper fifth. Thrasher sixth. Good job for Thrasher. Uh, seven six. He went down in that first moto, I think, and then still ended up with a seventh. Seven six for Thrasher. Volan, another good race for Volan. He told me last year he couldn't even line up for the second moto at this race because of the heat. Was that true? Did he cra- or did, Maybe he meant he crashed out of the heat. I don't know. I don't remember what exactly what happened to him last year at Bud's Creek, but he said, yeah, especially after what happened last year at Bud's Creek for him. So much, much better job for Max Volan. He was all by himself in fourth there for a long time in the first moto. He had a, couldn't see the top three and had a big lead on fifth until I think Joe snuck up and got him. But, uh, yeah, Voland uh, been well, been good. Been good. Um, the hardest thing for these kids to do in this class is be consistent, and he's been that way the last, uh, I don't know, five, six races. So uh, Hunter Lawrence seventh. 
Uh, Gilliam Ferris from Spain shows up on a star bike. He's an EMX rider. He's ridden some MX2. 6.13 on the day. I don't know, JT. I don't know what that says about, uh, well, first of all, I think that's really impressive for the kid. That's number one. Yes, Star's a great bike, but still, that's really impressive to me to go 6.13, qualified 10th. Does that mean this kid should be an MX2? Does this mean the EMX field is stronger than our national field? Because he, he doesn't win MX2. I, I got a lot of questions about this, this result yeah, and, I don't and know. everything. Right. I don't know. I didn't know anything about him coming in other than one result, and I don't know that I know a whole lot more now. Is he doing any more? Pretty good. Is he doing any more, Weege? Do we know? I don't know that either. Weege, do you know? Somebody told me, one of the media guys, I'm trying to remember who, told me in the press tent at the end of the day that he's doing the next three. Okay. And I don't know if that's because of this or if that was the plan all along. Okay. Um, One of the media guys, so I don't don't know. That's not from the team. Right, right. But I think he's in. I just, I have a lot of questions about EMX, MX2, and how it relates to our series here based on Gilliam's. Uh, ninth, but well, yeah. The good news is we're going to find out from yeah. Tom Vial exactly how it stacks up next year. But I almost think like Gilliam should be an MX two if he's going to do six thirteen in the American series full of international riders. So I think that's pretty well. I impressive. think that's been if you if you listen to the uh, Racer X GP podcast we have with Wheeler and Phillips, that's the point that Lewis Phillips keeps hammering all the time. He says all EMX has done is just split the MX two talent in half. So now you have 19 guys on the gate in MX2. Right. And unless you're like a guaranteed title guy, you're better off doing EMX. It's, it's just taking the right. young, fast guys out of the MX2 class is all it's doing. And you, you don't got so go to go And if you're a team, you don't got to do the international races. So it's better for you, cheaper. Yeah, and all that. yeah. You still win a title. And right. as we've right. seen over here with our own 250 Supercross class, yeah. they'll take a title in a lesser series over fifth in the tougher one any day. Yes. Yep. Which uh, then makes the lesser series end up being just as tough right. <laughs> as the yeah. higher series. No, it's a good, good point. Um, Mumphy, credit to Star. I mean, that's a ridiculous pickup. Ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah. completely off the radar. And he almost top fives his first yeah. moto. Like, come on. Yeah. Somebody should claim his bike. <laughs> Is Deegan turning pro thought, this weekend? Do we know? Is Deegan turning pro? That's the word? Yeah, I don't know. I know he had to race the amateur days at the first two, but there were some... It depends on how many people race, how many points you get. Oh. I, I haven't checked into that yet. Okay. Uh, and by the way, Ferris was 109. And when we first saw pictures, we're like, good God, tell me he's not number 409. Because that's what uh, the kid who tried to claim Egan's bike oh, was he? Uh, is. Oh, He's 409. And I'm like, good God, <laughs> do not put number 409 on a star bike uh, a I, week after. When I think of 109, I think of, uh, I think of uh, Chiodi. 109. Oh, was- Chiodi. <laughs> JT's teammate? Uh, sort of. Quasi-teammate, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Same yeah. bikes. Same yeah. bikes from what Kindred I hear. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Same bikes. <laughs> um, all right. Mumphy 10th. Good job. He hit the gate in Moto1. And Mumphy told me that his clutch was going. And then I asked Brooks, Larry Brooks' manager, about it. And Brooks told me, yeah, his clutch was going because he let go of it. So. No. Yeah. Okay. 14-10, uh, <laughs> though, for Mumphy. Good job. Uh, Swole got fifth in the second moto. Got a start. Ran up there. Got fifth. Good job. Uh, anything else, Kelly? Varese? I know JT's got to go, so I'm rushing this thing. Uh, McAdoo? Yeah, I'm good too. Kel- Kilroy? Pierce Brown? Anybody? Derek Drake? Dylan Schwartz? 
Schwartz crashed really hard right in front of me. Yes. He was on my fantasy team, and I was cheering for him, and then he just ate poop right in front of me. Uh, I think he uh, he also burnt himself in that crash. Yeah, I'm sure he did. And well, I think his hand. It looked like his hand. And couldn't get the bike started. Yep. That's uh, about 30 seconds. Oh. That's, uh, oh. that's a Suzuki thing. Just pointing it out. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I was very unhappy. Uh, McAdoo, oh. not so great. Uh, day for him. I went over to the Pro Circuit truck at the beginning of the, beginning of the day, and Nick Way and Peyton, all they wanted to do was talk Claimgate. That was all they wanted to talk about. It was, it was, yeah, <laughs> it was the story. So, for for Peyton and uh, and uh, Nick Way. Oh, I feel like that's pretty much the way everybody felt all week. So why not roll it into race day? Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Anything else, boys? I'll, I'll go. Anything else you want to talk about? Two fifty class. I'm good. No, I'm good. All right. Shout out to Zach Williams for doing a good job on my Pulp Mex fantasy team. Nineteen twenty one for Zach. Yeah, good, good job. Solid. Tyler Stepek, JT. Any thoughts? Um, I was told by about seven different people about his health problems on Saturday, mm-hmm. and because uh, I was pretty hard on him, but uh, yeah, didn't seem to uh, didn't seem to matter on Saturday. So really weird, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hope he's okay. Yeah. Like, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't wish any ill will towards him. Right. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, this is it. The review pod, fly racing review pod. We just at Disneyland. JT's trying to do a work job here, so this is this is what you get. This is what you get, people. I'm trying, but you know we're we're going to do the best we can here with JT. We, he, he, Steve is just a hero to the people at all times. Thank no you, thank you. Right, thanks. Right, like, we yeah. are we are the bad guys at all times, and Steve is the hero. Oh my God, you're finally oh, getting it. That's right, awesome. We, right, right. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, Listen to Staging Area. You can watch it on the American Motocross uh, YouTube channel if you want to hear JT and I talk for an hour. Uh, Two Wheel Tuesday, Pulp MX Show, Mav TV, everybody. Check it out. So, Okay. Uh, thanks to Fly Racing for making this podcast happen. All the other sponsors as well. Thanks to you people for listening. Uh, Weege, uh, enjoy your week at Disney World. Please tell me you're not going to drag the family out to the car to eat sandwiches and snacks because you refuse to pay the concession prices. Well, I'm very upset. Uh, JT, I'm sure you're very familiar with Publix. That was probably your grocery store of choice in your Florida uh, upbringing, correct? It's a great place, yes. Yep, yep. Uh, they only open at 7 a.m. because I had every every intention at 6 a.m. today of sneaking out of the hotel and showing up with a bountiful buffet of food for the family to use in the hotel room and not pay theme park prices. But Publix doesn't open until 7, and my plans were, were foiled. Very, very upsetting. Unbelievable. Well, enjoy. Make sure your kids get lots of stuffed toys. Take part in all the games. You know, really lay it out there. So enjoy enjoy your week there. Remember, it's it's the only thing they're going to ever remember. This is the chance that you get. So, Uh, yeah, just 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 spoil them for a week, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. Wonderful. All right. Thanks, boys. See you guys at Ironman. This has been the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. Thanks for listening and supporting our partners. Don't change the air. Don't change the thing.